Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Hi, this is Leslie Canham, and welcome to the Compliance Divas podcast. I'm going to be your moderator for today's program, and our topic is respiratory protection for dentistry. Now, the four of us together, Mary Gavoni, Linda Harvey, Olivia Wan, and myself have worked diligently to follow the science and evidence, and uh, all roads lead to the fact that there are aerosols that are generated in dentistry. And in order for us to protect ourselves, we need to take into consideration what we might be exposed to and select the proper PPE. It's not only protecting ourselves, but it's also a matter of OSHA compliance. Mary, can you give us some key points as to why we should comply with OSHA's uh, ensemble recommendation to wear PPE, such as N95 respirators? Absolutely. Thank you, Leslie. Um, First is that you don't want to um, end up being the recipient of an OSHA citation and fines for not following those directives. And since OSHA has instituted their national emphasis program, there is a possibility that we may see unannounced inspections happening in dental practices. But beyond that, it's really about worker safety. Keep in mind that N95 respirators provide a better fit. They provide a seal around the face to prevent any aerosols from getting in through the face mask and getting inhaled. So OSHA puts these recommendations, guidance um, requirements out there for a reason. It's to protect us. And it's not just from COVID. It's also from other airborne diseases like influenza, like measles and so forth. Well, you know, you bring up a very good point that there are other pathogens that we might be exposed to. Uh, When it comes to SARS-CoV-2, at the beginning of this pandemic, it seemed that N95 respirators were hard to find. Have there been changes to that? Absolutely, there have been changes. There are several manufacturers of respirators that have now moved their production facilities to the U.S. to avoid um, long delays in getting them imported from Asia and other countries. And because we're not in a crisis management situation anymore, they are readily available from dental suppliers. The downside is that they may not be available in a good selection of sizes, but they are still available. And many people still believe that because they weren't available, for example, last summer when we were opening practices up again, that they're still not, but they are. Linda, you have something to add? Yes, this is a great point. When we think about using an N95 respirator, ideally our clients and the teams should be looking for surgical N95 respirator masks, right? Because this was, there was so much confusion that we all spent time learning about last year, which was all the differences in the mask, why a level three wasn't sufficient. It wasn't just because it didn't fit tightly, it's because it didn't have the right filtration, particulate filtration. And then the surgical N95 mask provides that uh, fluid resistant capability that we need so much in, with aerosol generating procedures. Good point, Linda. 
Now, back to Mary, just a couple questions about what would happen if OSHA walked into a dental practice, conducted a surprise inspection, and they have respirators, but they've not gone through the proper steps of creating a respiratory protection program, training on how to don and doff, things like that. What do you think would be the end result? Well, it certainly could result in a citation and fines. Um, and we've seen that happen. We've seen some examples of that. Um, one from the state of Massachusetts, which was a very good example of lack of a written respiratory protection plan and a lack of training and a lack of fit testing of um, the N95 respirators. So you would be hard pressed to argue your way out of that if you were cited for that. Um, even um, trying to say that um, N95s weren't available and you couldn't get them, inspectors have actually asked for proof that you tried to get them. So we encourage folks to keep a log of their attempts to order them and what the results of that were. But yeah, I think um, not only could there be a citation and a fine, OSHA would expect that all to be corrected by the time an inspection was completed. And I understand there are many dentists who are now paying citations and fines for not following these uh, temporary COVID standards, which include uh, proper respiratory protection. Uh, that leads me to a few questions for Olivia. Uh, Olivia, you have a unique perspective on uh, the legal world, being not only an attorney, but also having a dental background. And can you tell us a little bit more about the requirements for these written plans and, and medical evaluations? How important is that? Thank you, Leslie. It's very important to be in compliance with OSHA to avoid citations and of course, we want to promote safety for our team. So that is a component that we must comply with. So when respirators are in use, there should be a respiratory protection program that is written and current. And the plan would address different things such as selecting respirators, how to maintain the respirators. It would discuss the medical evaluations, fit testing, and so forth. And with that said, very important to make sure that the medical evaluation is completed prior to the fit testing process. Without satisfying that necessary requirement, then a dental office would be very susceptible to a violation. Now the medical evaluation is key because we need to ensure that the employee or the provider is able to wear a respirator. And the purpose is to make sure that they are not only physically able to wear a respirator, but that physiologically that they can work while wearing a respirator. And so this medical evaluation would determine if the user is going to be a good fit with a respirator. Now these can be done online and they also can be performed as occupational clinic. We could even use OSHA's 
questionnaire that's available on the internet. However, if we download the questionnaire, the results are confidential. So that information is not shared with the employer. So if an employee downloads the written questionnaire, it should be placed in a sealed envelope and presented to their uh, prof healthcare professional and should require clearance provide before wearing a respirator. Now, some of the questions we get, well, what would disqualify someone from wearing a respirator? And if you look at the questions, you see that they're screening the individual to determine whether there's emphysema, shortness of breath, heart attack, stroke, heart failure. So there's multiple medical conditions that a person may have that it would not be recommended for that individual to wear a filtering face piece respirator. And when the employee is cleared, they should maintain that document of clearance in the confidential medical records as part of their permanent file. So I could be uh, willing to wear a respirator, but I might not be medically cleared to wear a respirator. Are there any alternatives for people who don't meet that medical clearance? That, that would be our concern. Now we're suggesting if someone fails the medical evaluation process that they should talk to their medical professional about what they do for a living and what those risks are, not only to COVID, but as Mary mentioned earlier, influenza, measles. And so there's other airborne contaminants that they would be at risk for contracting. So we always encourage that that individual consult with their healthcare professional. And just to see that process, I actually did a, a medical evaluation on myself online, just to see what that process looked like. And the document that I would put in my medical record had I still served as a dental assistant. And the document clearly stated, you have been approved to use a respirator, no restrictions on respirator use for conditions specified. So if I was working in a dental office, that document would be very important to place in my confidential medical record. So in other words, the employer can see whether someone has been cleared or disqualified, but not the contents of the evaluation that would be considered to be confidential, just the clearance. That's exactly right. So that information, if it's a paper form, is between the employee and the uh, healthcare professional, not their dental office. Mary, you had something to add to that. I, I did, Leslie. Thank you. Um, let's use a dental hygienist as an example, and they're using an ultrasonic scaler. If they can't be cleared because of medical reasons to wear a respirator, then they should not be going to a lower level of protection just because they can't wear one. Um, what they should do is look at what are the alternatives to an N95 respirator, such as a PAPR, a powered air purifying device, or there are some other devices on the market that are considered to be equivalents of that. But I'd look at a, at a PAPR because you should never, especially when you're generating aerosols from an ultrasonic scaler, never lessen the requirements because you can't meet that N95 standard. Olivia, you had something else you wanted to mention. I wanted to share that out of the hundreds and hundreds of medical evaluations that 
we have processed, there have only been two people that failed the medical evaluation. And so it's a very small number of people that are not cleared. We deal with more people just simply not wanting to wear them. And I think Mary made a good point. There are other alternatives that if the employee is a clinical person that they should consider. Absolutely. And if someone does have other health conditions or underlying conditions, they would want to be uh, perhaps more careful uh, than to just rather go the other direction and be less protected. Uh, just one other point I wanted to ask, Olivia, if someone had uh, difficulty knowing what the steps are to put together a respiratory protection program, could they find a checklist somewhere to assist them in getting this started? OSHA has a lot of good resources that's available online, and you can compare some of the model programs that OSHA has published and to come up with a plan that fits the needs of the practice. Of course, we have a lot of DIVA resources that will be available for dental practices to review, but we wanna make sure that the medical evaluation is completed prior to wearing uh, an N95 respirator. Thank you for that. Now we've got uh, some focus on why we should wear an N95 respirator and what some of the uh, prerequisites are, which medical evaluation first and written plans. So the next thing that we would want to know is uh, where would we go if we wanted to do our own fit testing? Linda, could you speak to that? That's a great question, Leslie. Because when you think about uh, where to begin to learn about this process, and it's just as we all did last year, taking time to research the fit test kits available and what is the best product that we should purchase, many dental dealers are now selling fit test kits. So as you look at those options, it's important to know whether you're getting a fit test kit and what type of solution that that fit test kit is testing for the sensitivity. And you want a qualitative fit test kit. And that's what's being sold in the dental market. There are two options under that category. One is for a bitter or bitrex solution for the testing solution. And the other is for a saccharin or sweet solution. Now, in my experience, and I learned all this from other experts as we plotted along last year, it's better to opt for the bitrex solution because that sensitivity solution and the test solution is a little bit easier to um to determine when you're exposed to that than the sweet saccharin. That one might be confused, you know, it's less likely to be um, discerned sometime. And if you have a bitter taste in your mouth, you're, you're gonna, actually, you're gonna know that <laughs> for the most part. So that's the better solution to opt with. And so we found that those kits are the best ones to use. And it's important that you not only get the, a good fit test kit, but know where to get the extra supplies that go along with it. So you may need to purchase additional hoods. I know when the fit tests that we've conducted in this past year, we like to have multiple hoods so we can disinfect them in between each person that we're fit testing. And everybody seems to enjoy that level of care that we're providing them by not taking a, a fit test hood off someone and putting on someone else. And they, you know, just sort of that whole cross-contamination feel. And then likewise with the um, syringes and everything, having the ample solution so that when you run out, you don't have to be caught in the middle of a fit test with not enough solution. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story, Leslie, and I keep learning this the hard way that if I don't have my fit test nebulizers assembled properly, the fluid will leak out. 
And so if you're on your last syringe, last vial of solution, or there's not much left in your bottle and you don't have a net for that fit test. <laughs> so it's important to, to take good care of your supplies and make sure that you have ample product when you go out to do a fit test. That, that kind of reminds me of uh, my dental assisting days when I would run out of something while I was working chairside and I'd have to get up and go and get it and come back and unglove and reglove and how angry uh, I was at myself for not having been prepared, but also uh, I could see my doctor ticking off the minutes in his mind. <laughs> Well, on that note, it is a little embarrassing because they've set aside time in the practice for you to come and do fit testing for the, for the team, and you certainly don't want to waste their precious time. But I found that it takes, speaking of time, I found that it takes about half an hour for each person, maybe a little bit less depending on the questions. But when I do a fit test, I like to review the user seal check with the person, even if they've watched all the videos and we've done some training ahead of time. I think that one-on-one -on -one coaching really goes a long way for them to be sure that they're wearing it and that then I'm reinforcing with them one-on-one -on -one the reasons that we're wearing this mask and how best to protect themselves and, and just kind of encourage them to be compliant and be safe. That also brings to mind that uh, when you have uh, someone who is a program administrator, that that person would be uh, probably the person that could do the fit testing. Although um, anyone can do that, right, Linda? Anybody can be trained to do a fit test, Leslie. There are, in addition to the types of training that we took, we're proud to say that the divas now have a compliance fit test video and resource. So we'll be telling them more about that as we go through the podcast today. And so you can see that resource on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. And in addition to the fit test video, we have a whole resource guide with numerous, numerous uh, documents that are helpful to not only learn to conduct your own fit tests within your practice, but also resources where you can look um, and read for additional information and all kinds of guides. Now, Linda, I understand that uh, if you can't get the same respirator style model or brand that you're used to wearing, that fit testing would have to take place all over again for that particular respirator. So can you tell us, would that be one of the benefits of buying your own fit test kit? Absolutely, Leslie, because what we found last year is we helped all of our clients, as many of our divas did, to become compliant with the initial fit testing last year. So to back it up just a moment, remember last year OSHA suspended the annual fit test requirement, but they did not suspend or waive the initial fit test requirement. So that does include any time you're changing masks. You know, the mask that you purchased last year may not be the mask that you're using this year. You know, last year, for example, you may not have been able to purchase surgical N95 respirator masks. So the mask that you were fit tested for and may fit may not be the best mask after all. And now that the market and the supply is opening up, um, as Mary said, with the suppliers, U.S. suppliers are manufacturing more masks. We have readily available you know, quantities that you may need to be fit tested again for these newer masks that are being purchased in the practice now. So that saves time and money with not having to send the employee out of the office, which is also paid time. It can be done in the office by someone who gets trained in the practice. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I know that uh, our doctors and, and team members want to save money because, of course, that leaves more money for bonuses, perhaps, or, or uh, vac uh, vacations or staff lunches, things like that. So why should we be throwing money away? Uh, do you know uh, the approximate cost of a fit test kit 
Uh, and it, where might you locate one? How would you buy one? The test kits, I think, run around $200, $300. And the dental supply companies are selling them now. So they can easily check with their dental supply company. So you can go to your dental dealer and mm -hmm. ask and make sure that you have the uh, qualitative fit test, if I understood you correctly. Okay. And also that you have uh, your recommendation is the Bitrex solution over the suite because it's more difficult for someone to hide their reaction. I, I imagine it's probably like biting into a lemon. Yes, exactly, Leslie. That's all correct. <laughs> And, and another point, I, I have heard that there are disposable fit test hoods. In fact, one of my clients, they're an oral surgery practice with a large number of team members. And what they've done is they have the disposable hood and they write each team member's name in you know marking pin on the front of the hood. So when they do come across this problem of, of not finding the same respirator that they were had ordered in the past, if they have to fit test again, they save the that each person's hoods, so that each person is wearing their own disposable hood and they, they, they roll them up, they roll up just like a, you know, like a poster would roll up and okay. store them. And then uh, if they have to use it again, it's, it's easily available. That's a great idea. Great yeah. idea. So anything to add to that uh, Any for the divas? Well, then what I'd like to do is uh, let me ask Mary, was that Mary, was that something you wanted to add to your portion there. Yeah, just a, <clears throat> excuse me, just a couple closing um, comments. We have heard so much information in the news media about the confusing information we just got from the CDC about eliminating wearing um, face masks. If you are a, um, a, a vaccinated individual, <laughs> got to get my brain cells working. Um, and it's important for everybody to know that that doesn't apply to healthcare settings. And if you go to the CDC website, cdc.gov, cdc.gov, you can download a copy of those latest interim guidance documents. And in the comments section about the changes, it clearly says it doesn't apply to healthcare settings. So we still have to, until we get a change from the CDC, or a change from OSHA, we have to follow what is current guidance, and that is N95 respirators for aerosol producing procedures. That makes a lot of sense. So we wanna make sure that we comply with OSHA and we wanna follow the CDC guidelines. Uh, our last guidelines, here it is uh, in May, we're in mid-May right now, they were December 4th. And so I understand that uh, the CDC will be updating for various different facilities and organizations. I'm sure they're going to start with schools first and then workplaces. And uh, hopefully they'll get to us in dentistry along with other healthcare settings. But meanwhile, we have to comply not only with OSHA requirements, but also OSHA looks to CDC recommendations when they decide to, uh, whether to cite uh, dental practice for not uh, protecting employees adequately. So it sounds like this respiratory protection video is a step-by-step -step program that takes people from what to do with 
uh, complying with OSHA regulations and having a written plan and creating uh, someone to be the program administrator. It also uh, directs us to making sure that we do the medical evaluation. And then uh, in the program, Linda actually has a section on how to set up so that you make sure that you have all of your supplies ready. So not only is your documentation ready, but you're actually fully prepared to sit down and conduct that fit testing with each employee who wears an N95 respirator. And then I like to say that I had a hand in this video in actually demonstrating each and every exercise. Uh, I found it to be easy to do. Uh, it was comfortable for the subject that was being tested. Uh, not, it was surprised me that not every respirator fits every person. And I thought that, uh, well, a box of uh, respirators in medium size would fit most people. But, uh, you know, the ones that I even tested on myself didn't uh, protect me fully. And I imagine that uh, a false sense of security uh, would be had by anyone who just puts on a respirator without knowing for sure that it fits. Linda, did you have something to add to that? Well, Mary, I tell teams this little analogy that I've created, and that's that, you know, like you just said, one respirator mask, one style doesn't fit everybody. Neither does one scrub jacket or one set of uniforms. We're all unique. Our face is different. Our facial features are different. And so with one mask is it's not one size fits all. Very different than our surgical mask, for sure. That makes a lot of sense, Linda. And in order to be compliant with OSHA, in order to protect our practice and our valuable team members, and this is an industry where my understanding from what I'm hearing is that we are seeing valuable team members leave the profession and not come back because they're afraid that they might be exposed to something that would uh, be detrimental to their health. And uh, over this last year, a lot of us have time to contemplate what it is that we need to do to, uh, to have a good work-life balance and good health. I know for myself, I'm still struggling with uh, some 20-something COVID pounds. And, and uh, I know that it's important to, to feel comfortable not only in your own skin, but in your PPE and in your workday, knowing that uh, that you are uh, not facing something that could cause you to uh, perhaps lose your ability to be able to work or something that you could pass on to your family. And if there's any other comments or any of the divas want to add to that at this point before we close out this podcast? Okay, well, uh, just want to let you know that we do have a support at thecompliancedivas.com for any questions. We love your questions. Please send them in and we'll be certain to address them at our weekly podcast. And uh, we also want to make sure that you tune in to our weekly Diva podcast because our mission is to provide clarity and simplicity on compliance for dental professionals. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. I'm Leslie Cannon, and I hope to see you again through the podcast next week.